This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Breaking Pod, everybody. My name is Josh. I'm joined, as always, on the other line by my co-host, co-founder of Breaking Pod, Zach. Zach, how are you? Doing great, Josh. No baby yet, I take it. No baby yet. So a uh, little behind the scenes fact here. We're recording a couple of these ahead of time. I think we mentioned that on one of the other podcasts. So at the time of recording, no baby. But hopefully by the time people are listening to this, there will be a baby. Because I mean, if not, my be. wife will be very overdue. <laughs> I think by the time this releases, it'll be end of May. And yeah, so, so yeah, so. There, there better be a baby by then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, let me just, since this will be reaching listeners ears uh, well after the due date, let me just congratulate you, Josh, on, uh, on the... Uh, the great birth of baby number two. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm excited to hear the name that you guys have picked out. I know you're keeping it yes. a secret so far. So Yes, I, I will announce the name at some point when, once we record an episode following the birth of the baby. Yes. We'll, we'll announce the name. So, But today we are talking about a very exciting, or not exciting, it's up to you. I don't know. I've heard lots of mixed things about this episode. We're talking about season three, episode 10. It is simply titled Fly. And it's a very interesting episode, and that is because, I don't know if you knew this, Zach, I, I might have mentioned this before, but this is, this is what's called a bottle episode. So this is an episode that takes place with very few of the actors in the show, and it takes place in one location. And the reason that Breaking Bad did it in this season is because they were woefully over budget when they were making this season, and they had to find a way to cut down the costs of production. And so they decided to stage an episode almost entirely in one location, and that location is the Super Lab under the laundromat where they are going to cook meth, but not in this episode. They don't do much cooking. Instead, they're greeted by an invader. So yeah. A, a it, contaminant, you, know, you might say. A contaminant, yes. I, sh- I should use Walt's language here. So yeah, I think we, maybe we should just jump into the summary, and then I think we've got a lot to talk about with this episode, because it's, it's it was very polarizing when it first aired, because people were like, what was that that I just watched? But I think upon further reflection, Upon a second or third viewing, I think that you find a lot to take out of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think I said this at the end of the last episode we recorded. There are many who do not like this episode, but there's a lot to like here. And you said it was exciting. I mean, I guess from a certain vantage point, it could be seen as exciting. I don't think of it as exciting, but I think of it as really deep and interesting. Um, it is not something where like, if I'm just grabbing my popcorn and I want to be just purely entertained for an hour, I'm like, let's watch Fly. Season three, episode <laughs> yeah. 10 of Breaking Bad. But yeah. there's so much in here to, to digest, and, and for that reason, I think uh, this is going to be a great episode of Breaking Pod. I also want to say that this is one of the higher-ranked uh, episodes of Breaking Bad on the Ringer's definitive list. Uh, if you are familiar with the website, The Ringer, they have a list of all of the episodes of Breaking Bad broken up, by, you know, uh, ranked all the way from 1 to, I think, 63 or 64, something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's Total right. episodes. This is in the top quarter. So this is number 14 on the list, and of the ones that we've talked about so far, it is behind only uh, Better Call Saul, which comes in at number 12, uh, the, bags, uh, the Bags in the River, which comes in at 10, The Pilot, which ranks number 6, and One Minute, which ranks at 4. One Minute, of course, we just did a few, a few weeks ago, the one where, where Hank is shot by the cartel. I personally take issue with that ranking. I do not think that episode is the fourth best in the entire series. So. No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say so either. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that it's worth pointing out, this one's pretty high, so top quarter, uh, fly, this, this so-called bottle episode. And I did not know that terminology, so thanks for introducing me to that. But yeah, let's go with the summary here, Josh. Okay, so our two-minute Wikipedia summary. 
and we will uh, give it a grade and our ranking of that summary after I read it. Okay. Walt is suffering from insomnia, worried about the direction his life has taken. Unaware that Jesse has been skimming, he is also concerned that their yield is a half pound short of his calculations. His paranoia comes to a head when he spots a small housefly, which I should point out is linked here in case the reader doesn't know what a housefly is, <laughs> in the lab, and worried about contamination, goes to extreme lengths to kill it. Jesse, at first dismissive, begins to help as well, and when he finds out Walt hasn't slept in two days, slips sleeping pills into Walt's coffee. Near delirium, Walt repeatedly refers to Jane and the night she died, but stops short of telling Jesse what really happened, also linked in case you forgot what happened to Jane. While Walt sleeps, Jesse cooks the batch on his own. In the parking lot the following morning, Walt refers to the missing half pound of meth and warns Jesse that there may be hidden cameras in the lab and that he, in parentheses Walt, won't be able to protect Jesse if Gus finds out about the reason for the shortage. Okay, Zach, what is your take and rating or grade of this two-minute summary? Um, I think that it's written better than some that we've seen. Um, I do think it's impressive, that sentence that says, um, Walt hasn't slept in two days, slips sleeping pills. So in the space of six words, we have slept, slips, and sleeping, which is pretty impressive. Uh, And not a way that I would recommend constructing that sentence. Uh, I also appreciate how at the end, the very last sentence, we have he, parentheses, Walt, because we have had some ambiguity in past synopses about which, you know, w- what person is referred to by X pronoun. So sure, that's good. I like the, uh, I like the effort at clarity there. But uh, I think, it, as is often the case, these synopses don't capture like what's really going on under the surface and just become like a, uh, a straightforward narration of events that isn't even that like well put together. So I'm going to say this is a C minus. Okay. You know what I was thinking when you said that is these summaries read a lot like play-by-play and not color commentary. Yes, so I think very true. I think what's good about this is that we can provide the color commentary after we read these summaries. You know, I'm I'm actually a little a little higher on this summary than you. I would say I would give it a B minus. The reason that I like it is I do think it hits all the major points. Now it doesn't go into detail, but I think that's what we're here for. I do want to say. Did did Jesse finish the batch? Because I do I that that totally went over my head if he did finish it, you know, when they were cooking or when Walt was sleeping. Like I didn't get that, but maybe this person knows something that we don't know, whoever read it. Did did I miss something there? No, uh I'm trying to remember. I think he finishes it. Okay. I thought I thought he finished okay. it basically as Walt was waking up. Okay, maybe I missed something then. And the other thing, the, the only thing that I, I have to take issue with, other than the uh, questionable writing at times, is this idea that, that Walt is worried about hidden cameras. I don't think he's so worried about hidden cameras as he is about like bugs or microphones. Yeah, totally. Because he's worried about talking inside the lab, not necessarily about what they're looking at. Because if they were looking, they would have seen Jesse skim the, the meth anyway. Yep. So I think what he's worried about is is a bug or an audio device that's recording them. Yeah, I mean, he even says at one point, he like holds up his, his finger, right? And says like, shush. Right. And then points exactly. about, you know, there could be, it could be microphones, so. Yeah. Okay, well, All you right, change so, my mind. I'm going to say C+. Plus. I'm going to go from a C- minus to a C+. Plus. Cause, cause I convinced you to move right. up a little bit. Yeah, be a little more generous. Okay, so let's uh, talk broader thoughts and themes. And I think this, this episode, more than any of the other ones, is sort of uh, a huge broader thoughts and themes. So, Zach, you jotted some notes down, so I'll let you kick this off, and then we can go into our best scene, best writing, and best moments. Sounds good. Yeah, there's a lot to talk through, and I think we will as we discuss some of the, uh, the, the later stuff in this episode. 
So just briefly, I want to point out, first of all, the last episode we did was Kafka-esque, and we talked about Franz Kafka. His most uh, famous book is The Metamorphosis, which is about a man who turns into this some sort of grotesque insect. Now, what kind of insect it is, is never clear, but one could imagine it's a fly or a fly-like insect, perhaps. And so I think there's a subtle, if not, uh, if not direct linkage between Kafka-esque and this episode fly, because this this kind of uh, you know, hideous insect appears at multiple points in this episode. We get some close-ups. Most of the time, I think we're pretty far away from the fly. We certainly hear it and its obnoxious buzzing. But at certain points, we get a pretty close-up uh, close look, including the very opening scene before the credits roll for this episode. We have a very close-up shot of the fly. Um, and I mean, flies are pretty amazing insects. But I think the way it's portrayed here is a little bit gross. I mean, they're, they're, they're not known for being like clean insects, right? They hang around garbage and dead things and they, uh, they lay their babies as maggots and, and all that stuff. So um, fascinating insects, perhaps incredible insects from a like a physical and wonder of nature standpoint, but um, not known as like delightful insects, I guess. Um, and so that's, that's one thing I think sort of linking this to the Kafka-esque one. Um, and I also think it's interesting, like this episode begins and ends in the same way. And that's Walt lying in bed looking up at the smoke detector. Now, in the beginning, he's lying in bed, getting ready to get up in the morning. It's, his alarm goes off at 6 o'clock. He gets up. In the end, he's going to bed after a long 48 hours or so. And as he's getting into bed, after doing battle with this fly and having Jesse eventually kill the fly, he hears a fly. And it's, uh, it's kind of haunting him as he lays there in bed. And then he looks up at the, at the smoke detector, and the red light is flashing. And just in the, the last time it flashes in the whole episode, it illuminates the profile or the silhouette of a fly. We're to, we're to assume that the fly has landed on the light itself. And so I think there are two questions that I have here, Josh. The first is, and this, this goes to the broader themes of this episode, I think. The first is, um, is the fly at the end a figment of his imagination? I tend towards the opinion that it is. And the second question is, what is the fly? As in, you know, I mean, obviously it's an insect, but what does the fly as a motif in this episode represent and uh, i'm curious to hear your thoughts on that i have my own but i'll i'll let you discuss some of yours first okay so first your, your first question is is the fly at the end a figment of his imagination i actually think it's not and i think it's 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 not because i think my interpretation of what the fly represents is this pest this little thing that never goes away and i think that every time walt has gotten involved in the meth cooking or in this drug trade world there's always something there that that is like bothering him that he can't quite reach that he can't quite control and we've talked a lot about how walt seeks control and almost like can't operate if he doesn't have it and i think it's just a, a broader metaphor for the fact that Walt wants to be in control, but there will always be something that he can't quite reach. And even when the fly is is taken care of, Walt is not the one who does it. It's someone else who ultimately kills the fly. It's Jesse who uh, smacks it with, I don't know, whatever, a newspaper or whatever he had in the back of his, his jeans. So I think it's, for me, what the fly represents is something that is always persistent and always nagging Walt, whether it's something small like you know, Skyler, who's uh, bugging him about medical bills, or it's something big like Gus demanding that he produce a certain amount of meth or, you know, whatever the case may be. So that is my interpretation of what the fly represents. Did you have a similar or uh, a dissimilar uh, interpretation of that? Yeah, so I, I actually have three interpretations, and I'm not totally sure which is correct. Maybe none of them, maybe in fact all of them. I think it's definitely possible to have one thing represent multiple ideas at once. Your theory 
um, I would I would kind of say parallels or is virtually identical to my sort of contaminant theory. Uh, the contaminant theory says exactly what you said, right? That this this fly is something that is nagging, constantly gets in the way. When Walt thinks he's he's having so much success, there's something that springs up. It could be a consequence of his action that nags at him as guilt. So perhaps in that way, the contaminant is kind of the guilt, right? The he can't he can't enjoy the money and his newfound success in a pure way because of the guilt that nags at him. Um, so it's that contaminant. And in support of that theory, Walt even talks about the fly as a contaminant and says like. Uh, you know, we're not going to cook anything as long as the contaminant is in here. Um, so that's, I think, theory one. Theory two is that the fly is uh, is actually representing death uh, in the sense that the fly is something that is always present, um, but to Walt in some way elusive. You know, he he's chasing this thing in a way, um, but can't actually get there. And I mean, flies can be symbols of death in the sense that, you know, flies will tend towards a carcass, you know, dead, dead animal that is out in nature. There will be flies on it. They'll be laying their, their eggs that turn into maggots, etc. Um, but also, I think this is supported by the idea that, um, that Walt voices his concerns to Jesse here about the moment that he, that he should have died, you know, the moment that he wishes he had died. And I think that's a, a really interesting discourse as well he goes on to talk about you know this whole um how how there was the perfect moment to die and he can't quite pinpoint it and then eventually he does etc and uh, we can talk about that whole that whole discussion so the first theory is the contaminant the second theory is death i think the third theory is that this fly is like representative of walt's um i guess like declining mental state in that it really bugs him in the lab. He can't, he really can't properly function without this fly there. Uh, and even at the end, uh, when he sees the fly in his bedroom, he can't sleep, you know, it's, it's haunting him. And that relates to the story that Jesse tells about his aunt who was dying of cancer, the same type of cancer Walt has lung cancer that had metastasized to her brain. And so she, she had a real possum in her house and then later kept thinking the possum was there after the possum was killed. And she would, you know, not be able to sleep at night or focus on anything because the possum was in her house. And so that definitely parallels Walt's story here. There's definitely a real fly in the lab that Jesse kills. And then maybe the fly in his, in his house is not real. We don't know. Um, but I think we might, we might see some evidence of that as well. Um, so those are my, those are my three theories about the fly. One of the other things that I was thinking about when you were saying all of that is that perhaps the fly could also be representative of this, this thing that he can't, you know, literally it's something he can't get rid of. And, you know, we've been talking all about, you know, throughout almost three full seasons of this show that Walt can't seem to get rid of this like desire to um, cook meth and be, and be powerful and become Heisenberg. And there's nothing he can do. He can't step outside of himself to get rid of it. And it's almost as if, if he's ever going to be saved from his, from himself, he'll have to have someone else do it or help him do that. And so that's representative here of Jesse's the one who kills the fly ultimately. And if Walt is ever to be saved from this destructive path that he's put himself on and his family on, that it's going to have to be someone else who intervenes to help him take that path because he himself can't see clearly enough to, to do it on his own. Yeah, that's very true. All right, should we move on to our best scene, best writing, and best moment? Because I think we'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of this episode. Yeah, let's do it. 
Okay, so let's start with uh, best scene here. Uh, my, I'll, I'll kick this off because mine is towards the beginning of the episode. But my best scene is just Walt when he first. There's there's really no audio to play because it's it's mostly silent except for sound effects that are happening in the lab. But this is when Walt first sees the fly and he goes on this sort of like mad dash around the the lab to try to. Uh, to try to catch this fly and he tries all manner of different things including slapping it with his clipboard which he damages he then tries to uh, throw his shoe up to the ceiling he breaks a light then he tries to get his shoe which is now stuck on the light and he falls from the upper part of the lab down onto the floor of the lab and i think this is just a really good way to kick off this sort of battle between the fly and walt because mostly you're not seeing in the fly you're hearing it and you're seeing walt sort of pursue something that's not there and i think it's it's a good representation of of sort of all the overall metaphors and themes we were talking about and and it's sort of the a good place to start uh you know in this episode yeah i totally agree uh i I like the beginning as well and it really sets it up because that that scene is pretty protracted he's wrapping up he's like all done for the day and then he hears the buzzing and then we spend probably five minutes watching him try to kill this fly and he doesn't get particularly close in any of those instances either. And right, so we're like, exactly. we're, in, we're in for a long episode or a long night, aren't we here? I will say that I have also, uh, I don't know if you've had experience trying to get a fly, but they are very difficult to catch. In fact, we had one in our house and I trapped it in the bathroom and that was the only thing that helped me get it. And I started swinging a towel around like like a madman trying to like swat it out of this, uh, you know, the ceiling. And my bathroom was pretty small, but I, it, it took me still like a couple minutes to catch the fly. And finally, I did dispose of him. And it was only because he was a massive fly, too, because he was he was rather large. So easier to see. Have you had anything like that? Um. No, well, not uh, not with a fly. In fact, the flies here are pretty easy to catch because with the altitude, they're a lot slower. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if it has to do with like oxygenation or you know in their bloodstream and they're just like their muscles are slower. Um. I don't even know if muscles would be the right term for a animal that small. Probably not muscles, yeah. but whatever it is that makes them move. Uh. The second thing, though, it might just be the altitude and the um the ability for their for them to maneuver quickly in the thin air, et cetera. But they're lots they're a lot slower here in Colorado. I have definitely had problems catching flies. And we had a fair amount of flies in our old house in Texas that were tough to catch. But um, here in Colorado, even uh, really right now, is like moth season. So we have lots of moths mm. hanging around our house. They're not particularly small, but they're big and they're kind of annoying. And <laughs> they've like they've flown into my face at night when the Ooh. house is dark and it's not a great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've all had our experiences with bugs before. Yeah, well, so best writing, um, can I actually do best scene and flow into best writing? Because my best writing follows yeah. directly from best scene, and so they, t- they tie together um, that well, I think. Um, yeah, so, so start or, with your I might have said that scene. backwards. Start with best writing and then go into best, best scene. Best writing, yeah. I, yeah, so yep. you just did Got best it. scene, but I'm going to go back to best writing and flow into best scene. Okay, so, yeah, yep, so, sounds good. So I already mentioned this at the beginning, you know, with my theory that the fly represents death. Um, there's this dialogue from Walt where he talks about, you know, the perfect moment to drop dead. Perfect moment. For what? To drop dead? Are you saying you want to die? I'm saying I've lived too long. You want them to actually miss you. You know? You want their memories of you to be but she just won't 
She just won't understand. So uh, in the words of the synopsis, this is after Jesse realizes Walt hasn't slept, so he slips sleeping pills into the <laughs> coffee. And so uh, you, we, of course, get this very, like, um, uh, groggy, borderline, hallucinating Walt, right? Um, talking to Jesse. So this is Walt basically with the truth serum injected into him, and he's just freewheeling and just pontificating and thinking about life. And it's there, of course, that I think we get much more close, uh, much closer to the real Walt than the Walt who's always projecting false confidence, always scheming and maneuvering. Now we have a Walt who's like honestly assessing his life and realizing maybe I should have died already when my family still loved and respected me. Uh, but the problem is I didn't have enough money. And so he goes on. Right. And the speech says, like, but I wouldn't have had enough money then. I wouldn't have enough money then. And then it ends with, ah, I know when it was. It was the night that Jane died. And the interesting thing is to me. The night that Jane died is, of course, the night that Walt, you know, we talked about the, the inflection points. That's Walt's kind of point of no return when he stands there and literally watches her die. Um, you know, he doesn't kill her uh, in a direct sense, but he certainly kills her by his inaction when he, he easily could have intervened. And so um, I think this is, this is like a, a very honest moment where Walt is, is recognizing that that's the moment that it, that it all would have been okay if he had just died there, you know, before his, his actions led to the death of someone else. Now we might, we might point out that like crazy eight had died because of Walt's actions, but that was a little bit different because crazy eight really died. Um, uh, because, because Walt was act, acting in self-defense, right? Crazy eight tried to kill Walt and then Walt had to, um, suffocate him to death. Uh, before that crazy eight was trying to kill Walt or at least, um, rob Walt and Walt, you know, mixed that chemical concoction together that uh, gave Crazy Eight lung damage. So the real point, the real inflection point in Walt's whole trajectory here, and we hear this now from his mouth, is the night that Jane died. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, and I love the, the writing in that whole dialogue. Now that leads into my favorite scene. And I think this actually is your best writing nomination, Josh. Yeah, that's right. But that's when um, Jesse climbs up on the ladder to, uh, to help kill the fly. Um, and there's, there's so much to say here. Uh, the, the, just a couple things though. I mean, Jesse has been having trouble buying into this whole fly as contaminant thing. And it's here when Walt is being honest with him and reflecting on life. And when Jesse has shared his story about his aunt dying and all of that, it's here that now Jesse's like, I'm going to get this fly. So Walt's falling asleep after having the sleeping pills and Jesse gets the ladder and puts it up, sets it up precariously on a couple of, uh, like workbenches kind of things. And Walt's like, what are you doing? And Jesse says, you know, what does it look like? I think he says, like, I'm going to get that bitch or something. And he climbs up to get the fly. And Walt is, you know, there's something like, there's something metaphorical about this too. Walt is ostensibly supporting the ladder, supporting Jesse as Jesse himself climbs precariously high on this ladder to get this fly that he's only going after because his mentor slash father figure, Walt, is obsessed with, right? And while he's up there, we have this whole dialogue between Jesse and Walt, mostly speared by Walt, where Walt is, is saying, going back to this idea of the night Jane died, that he's sorry for Jane's death. I'm sorry. Sorry for what? Being a lunatic? <laughs> I'm sorry about Jane. Yeah, me too. Now, 
Josh, that goes on for a little bit farther just for the sake of time. I didn't do the whole thing. But what do you like about that scene? Because that was your nominee or that writing. That was your nominating nomination for best writing. Yeah, I, I think that there's a couple things I want to say about this. And the, the first is to go back to your best writing part, the beginning of this whole thing. You know, I think the reason that I like this this dialogue and the way that it's written, it's also really well performed by Aaron Paul and, and Brian Cranston. Of course, we got our two heaviest hitters in this episode, you know, uh, going you know, toe to toe here, which is really great. But I think what's best about this writing is that it's just like heartbreakingly sad because to go back to your point about, you know, Walt trying to find the best moment to die, you know, it's one of those things where if he wasn't so concerned about money and material things, he could have just continued to lead a a decent life as, as a father and a husband and you know, the, the father of a newborn child coming out, and it wouldn't have mattered if he'd lived for, you know, X amount of time. You know, even if he did die from cancer, like, he could have had, he could have had that moment at any point if he'd just chosen to focus more on the moral, the internal, as opposed to the external, the material. And so to hear him talk about, and, and as you pointed out, this is like his true self coming out, so he really believes this, you know, that if he just didn't watch Jane die, if he just stayed home that night, he could have, that would have been the perfect moment for him to go. I mean, that's just sad. Like, it's sad to see the destruction and the dismantling of this character, which is what we've been watching for almost three seasons. But then to sort of segue into to my best writing, it's just another one of those, uh, the reason that I like it is, it's again one of those moments where the audience knows more than the characters in the scene. So Jesse doesn't know what happened to Jane and Walt is on the verge of maybe saying something. He doesn't actually end up saying anything. Uh, as you might remember from the two minute summary, it was linked in case you forget, uh, you know, in the summary. That's right. And <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's another one of those really sad moments. Like Jesse here, it almost seems as if he's, he's like gotten a little peace. He, he's like, it's nobody's fault. It's not her fault. We were, we were junkies. We were using, and that stuff just happens. And it's really sad to know that it could have been prevented and to know that he's reached this level of peace. But if Walt ever does say something to him about what happens, that that peace will be immediately be shattered. So I think it's just another one of those moments where it's just sad for the audience to watch because you know, Jesse seems, and in the next episode too, we're going to see Jesse just continues to put himself in situations where it doesn't seem like he can win. And I find that like, it's a, it's great, you know, from a television, you know, television point of view, because it's, it's really interesting. But as if you're looking at this person, this character is a real person. It's very sad. Yeah. Could not agree more. Uh, did you have anything else to add on best writing or best scene before we move on to best moment? No, the only thing I'm thinking about now, back to the question of what is the fly, now that we've talked through these two scenes, I think I might have a an interpretation of the fly that kind of combines all three of our previous interpretations. And that that's sort of the fly as a symbol of inevitable decay and eventually death. Of course, I already talked about flies hanging out around garbage and decaying carcasses and things like that. It's because flies are in that way symbols of decay or that's not why they hang around but because they hang around they become known as symbols of decay right of death and decay and so in that sense like the fly i think is a symbol of the death and decay or or the decay and from from decay i certainly mean in a physical stamp from a physical standpoint like i talked about walt's deteriorating brain or possibly potentially just like jesse's aunt 
certainly his body that's been through a lot with cancer and chemo and everything like this, this mortal coil, uh, that we call the human body, um, or the, the world that, um, leads to frail human bodies. Um, and, but also moral decay, more importantly, more significantly in this scene, moral decay, right? Like how far Walt has fallen, uh, and his involvement with Jane. Now, you know, we know, like it's a law of nature, um, that everything that is mortal dies. Um, and maybe that's like tautological, but you know, we die, right? We live in nature and we die and that death is inevitable. Now, um, the fly is trying to, of course, evade his own ruin. He does so for a very, very long time, but eventually the, the ruin comes for him. Um, and I think in the same way, like Walt is kind of the fly or the fly is a symbol of Walt himself, uh, a symbol of decay, a, a very real sign of decay and decay that will eventually die. Now the death might not come on Walt's schedule or on his terms, but it's going to come. And so then the question becomes like, you know, how far will the decay go before the death comes? Yeah, that makes sense. So I think what you're saying is, is Walt gonna, he's going to get got, is that, is that's what's going to happen <laughs> that is at some exactly, point? That's exactly what's going to happen. And that's a great segue to my honorable mention for best moment. Uh, yeah. because, because my honorable mention is <laughs> when Jesse gets the fly and he goes, yeah, somebody got got yo. Uh, which is just just a perfect uh, encapsulation of Jesse's whole persona. I, I also love how um, at the end of that, he says, did you see that, Mr.? And he's about to say Mr. White, but Walt has just fallen asleep. But the interesting thing to me is that this is very father-son. He's gone back to Mr. White uh, away from, or I should really say teacher-student. I guess a son doesn't call his dad Mr. So-and-so. But he, th- like we're back to the teacher-student, dad-son relationship rather than the, the 50-50 partners that Jesse always pretends that they are, right? And so Jesse's like proud of himself for get, for finally getting the fly. Did you see that, Mister? And then he realizes that Mister White, the guy who's supposed to be supporting him and like holding the ladder steady, has literally fallen asleep while Jesse is precariously perched on the ladder, killing the fly. I think that's really interesting. Um, but yeah. my best moment actually is the fly on the smoke detector at the end when Walt is laying in bed. Um, I, I still tend to think that's an imaginary fly um, and a symbol of sort of Walt's obsession and perhaps like I just talked about his decay as well. Yeah, so my best moment is a very short moment, but we have a little audio clip here, and it's more, it's more funny than it is anything else. The timer went off, yo. How long is this batch going to be good for? An hour or two? The, the batch will be good for nothing if we don't clear the contaminant. Clear the contaminant. We're making meth here. All right, not space shuttles. We're making nothing until we catch this fly. Yeah, I just love how, you know, Jesse, you know, oftentimes we're like, yeah, he's 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 not quite as smart as Walt. But really here, he's being the reasonable one. They are really just making meth. And he goes on to, like, talk about how their clientele is like the lowest of the low. They don't care what the, you know, they don't care what they're doing. They're harming their body by using it. And, you know, Walt is talking about, you know, that they're making the most important thing in the world. So I just thought that was a really funny moment but also kind of a a little bit pointed because you know jesse is not always the one who seems to be the most intelligent in the scenes and this time he really is they're not making space shuttles Yep, very true (laughs) my honorable mention though was at the beginning of the episode walt and jesse are like cleaning all of the equipment and first of all jesse's like can't we just get someone to like do this for us like aren't we important enough and then walt you know said he's like brushing him off and then you know jesse goes i guess he needs something to drink and he's like i would like someone to be in here and i would say gatorade me bitch and i just think that that's a really because he's talking about the cleaners and he's like we need a water boy gatorade yeah (laughs) yeah exactly 
All right, Zach, any nits to pick before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I mean, I guess I've got a couple. The first is, how does Walt get his shoe stuck in the light? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. don't understand it. A little confusing. Yeah, I don't understand how that happened at all. Uh, second, the raisin on the ground, right? A raisin is literally like the food that if you're going to pick one food that looks most like a fly, it would be a small raisin, right? Yeah. Uh, why is there a raisin on the floor of this lab? <laughs> like, Walt's so obsessed with contaminants. They clearly keep this thing absolutely immaculate. And there happens to be a raisin on the floor right next to where Jesse thought he killed the fly. And then Walt, yeah. like Walt gets down to look at it and he goes, this is a raisin. Like, come on. That's really, really convenient and not at all believable. I've ne- we've never seen these characters eat raisins before. We know Jesse loves Funyuns and junk food. We know Walt loves peanut butter and jelly with crust cut off. We've never seen them eat a raisin. There's no plausible reason to me why there'd be a raisin in there. Yeah, I guess Walt must have a you know secret obsession with trail mix, and he just dropped a little raisin there. But but the other thing is, we did see them clean the exa- the day before, so yeah, it exactly. doesn't make sense that there's something. I would have been more. I would have been more believe. I would have believed it more if it had been like a small dollop of jelly from Walt's peanut butter and jelly that was in the shadow, and they just missed it. Yeah. But the raisin thing—that's a little silly. Yeah, agreed. That's all I have, though. I have two two nits to pick, and then one thing that I wanted to point out. So. The first nit to pick is Walt falling from the the upper part of the lab. He slams into one of the big barrels or, or yep. pieces of equipment and then falls to the ground. You know, like Breaking Bad is mostly realistic, you know, for the most part. And this just does not strike me as realistic. People who fall from a, a great distance and smack their body and their head don't just get up and then keep moving. Like he he likely had a concussion and maybe that, you know, maybe that led to his like a little loopiness, True, who knows? Yeah. But you know, this idea that someone just gets up is very movie magic, like, and it it was interesting that they had him do that, like that that was a moment in this episode because it does seem so far fetched, and it doesn't really add anything to the episode. No, the other no, thing except is that he, Jesse later he later notes like, oh, what happened to your head? Right, but that's yeah, it. True. Other yeah. than that, no. So my other my other nit to pick was that. <laughs> Jesse asked Walt to hold the ladder when he's climbing up to get it, knowing that he's just drugged him with sleeping pills. Like, this is not so smart on Jesse's part. Like, Mr. White, just hold the ladder. And it's like, okay, well, you know that he's about to pass out. He's literally like, falling asleep as you're talking to him. Yeah. yeah. And you are choosing to put your life in his hands here. And I, I couldn't remember if he fell or not. And I'm glad he didn't because that would have been another, like, kind of ridiculous moment in the episode. Yeah. But he, came yeah, close. he does not fall. Yeah, he came close. And then the other thing I wanted to say, which is not a nit to pick, but Jesse makes mention of Ebola in this episode, which was years before the United States ever had like the Ebola scare. So I was like, oh, that was kind of prescient that they, you know, like made a reference to this because it obviously has been a disease and and a a very deadly disease in Africa for a while. But, you know, it really hit the news. I mean, the the outbreaks have all been West Africa, East Africa. It was only recently that we had an outbreak that was like plausibly going to be exported elsewhere. Right, and I think that was in 2015. So, yeah, I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. The only other thing that I will say about this episode before we do our MVP is, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but this episode was directed by Ryan Johnson, who has become a very uh, popular, famous movie director. He most famously uh, directed the Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is the eighth installment of the Star Wars series. Uh, Very uh, divided amongst the fan base as to how he did with that. But, you know, this is the first, I think, of two episodes of Breaking Bad that he directed. I think he also directs a very famous episode in the fifth and final season that we'll talk about when we get there. But, you know, he, he did a lot of interesting things here. You know, when you're in one location, you don't have a lot 
you know, it could be very boring, but he did a lot of interesting camera things. And there's even a moment where the camera is the fly sort of like buzzing around uh, on top of the ceiling. And I thought that he did a nice job of making it more interesting than it otherwise could have been. Yeah, I like that shot with the, the where the fly was the camera or the camera yeah. was the fly. That was cool. Yeah. Okay, Zach, time for our MVP. I'll throw it to you first. Who is your MVP for this episode? Well, there are really only two candidates, Josh, uh, Walt and Jesse. And I think Walt just does a fantastic job. He's a little more central than Jesse is. He spends his entire time in the lab, except for the very beginning and very end where he's in his bed. Uh, and I'm going to give it to Walt for this, for this episode. Okay, Zach, I'm going to do something crazy here. Can I give MVP to the fly? Is that, is that allowed? Absolutely. Yeah. I think you have to give it. Okay. So I'm going to give it to the fly. It'll be his only, I love his it. only thing because he, he dies. But the reason that I, I think he's important or he or she, I don't know. Do they have a gender in, in fly nature? I, uh, I assume they do. They I definitely guess. do. Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know if we, we have no way of knowing what this one was. Walt does refer to the fly as, as a he. So I'll just say he. But the fly here is the central figure. I mean, not only is he the literal title character of this episode, but he is what drives the entire plot forward in this episode. And without the fly, we wouldn't sort of have this deeper understanding of Walt's inner mind. We wouldn't have this deeper understanding of of Jesse and Walt's relationship. So for that, I'm going to give it to the fly, which will probably be the only time I give it to something that's not a human. That is, uh, that's a pretty awesome choice. I'm a little jealous of your creativity and wish that I had come up with that because the fly has to be the MVP. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you say it's only two people? I'm not going to, I'm not going to change my, uh, change my vote though. That'd be cheating. Yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, now we have Jesse and Walt tied atop our MVP votes with 14 apiece. Uh, still now trailing by five is Skylar and, of course, the fly. Down with one. It'll be his only one, but an important one at that. Perfect. Zach, anything else for this episode? No, I think we covered it. A lot, a lot to talk about there, and we did it in 37 minutes, so not too okay, bad. Okay, not bad. Not bad. All right, well, thank you all for listening. If you have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear it. Please email us at breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. Until next week, when we will be talking about Season 3, Episode 11... I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. We'll talk to you then. Have a great week. 